Welcome to the Butts and Seats Podcast, episode number 39. Take number three of this intro. <laughs> just, yeah, it's not, she's not wrong, but uh, oh God. Episode 39, we got one more until our 10 episode shot. Which is the same thing you mentioned the previous two takes. Well, yeah, because I want to remind you that we're going to be taking a shot next week. See, I'm more focusing on we are 11 away from episode 50. Which will be a special bonus episode. Do you need a shotgun to drink for that one? I don't know. You might need to based on the show itself. Oh, God. Nick has this whole list of bonus episodes that were slated today that he doesn't really, like, tell me about. Or he did, like, a year and a half ago, and now I don't have any clue what's on that list. It's not my fault you don't remember. From a year and a half ago? <laughs> I told you once. That's enough. That's not enough! So, for the third time, Emily... <laughs> What, what What is this show all about for new listeners? And we usually don't acknowledge how many takes it takes for us to get the start of this going. It usually only, ta- only takes one. Well, today we've got the uh, weather elements and technological issues. Anyway. Which happened because of the weather elements. Because of the weather elements. Basically, it's really windy. And wind has a sound. Anyway. So if you're can new you, to the... Can you do an impression of wind? Wow. <laughs> Turned into Vince McMahon there at the end. Anyway, if you're new to the Buzz in the Seats podcast, we are taking a week-by-week look at the slow but inevitable downfall of WCW through the late 1990s. Is it feeling both of those things to you? Yes, because there are some weeks where we're like, this is a fantastic episode, this was a really good show, what an amazing match. And then there are some weeks that's like, how is this show still on the air? It does feel like the show hasn't ended well in several weeks. No, and we mentioned that last week that they're kind of reverting back to all of the um, all of the interferences as the ends of matches, just, and there's yeah, just like just, a not just, ending non finishes. Yeah, and, you know, maybe that won't happen with this episode. <laughs> this episode we'll be talking about the June twenty eighth, nineteen ninety nine Monday Nitro live at the time from Chicago, Illinois. Let's start on this week's Nitro by opening up with a recap of last week's Nitro. Well, these are getting better. They are, and they're doing more of them. Like, that was one of my big gripes at the beginning of this podcast, was that there was no recap. You were just kind of thrown to the wolves if you didn't know what was going on. But they've been doing a lot more recapping lately. I wonder if part of that is because they're getting their ass kicked a lot more now. That it's like, okay, yeah, we we get that you might not have watched last week. (laughs) Versus like, oh, you should have been watching. Like, this is your punishment for not watching last week. That sounds like an Eric Bischoff thing. Like, oh, this is your punishment. Then get the Nitro opening, and then go to, I guess it's meant to be earlier in the day, Ric Flair, Bruce MacArthur, who I had to look up, he is the owner of the Chicago Blackhawks. But he's Uncle Bruce? Apparently, I guess they know each other, I don't know. Okay. But he also has something to do with the arena, because it's where the Blackhawks play. And he showed up previously on Nitro. Like, letting Ric Flair into the building when Flair was feuding with uh, Eric Bischoff, but it was before we started watching. Okay. So, but Emily, who else is with them? With the two of them is a very freshly bleached David Flair. His hair is bleached, not the man himself. (laughs) No, his hair is now Rick Blonde. It is disgusting and I hate it. Is that the official... uh color palette of that i mean yeah for him it's it's bleach blonde but it's trying to emulate rick's it's the same thing as when lil nate dyed his hair and tried to become rick at least with lil nate it was a closer tone as opposed to going from brown to this 
Well, he had to like really bleach his hair. So they're all hanging out in front of the arena. They, they're doing this in front of a Michael Jordan statue. And Rick drops this little nugget. Uh, he says, tonight David's going to win the world heavyweight title. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, since when is he a contender for the title? He hasn't been on TV for weeks. He hasn't been in any kind of feud with any of these guys. Why? I, I don't know. I really don't. Yeah, they did kind of drop this for a week or two, and then we're coming back real strong. I feel like it's been more than a week or two. I'll have to go back and look, but it feels like he's been gone for at least a month. And then, additionally, Bruce MacArthur, who, again, has some sway with the arena, is like, yeah, if you win the title, I'll like build a statue of you out here. It's like, I'm Why? St- <laughs> like, oh, oh, okay, Do random heel turn for that guy. First of all, that's a waste of money. Second this is so like this doesn't mean anything yeah oh um unrelatedly i guess we'll probably leave tomorrow for our annual pilgrimage to the david flair statue in chicago (laughs) yeah that sounds about right we're gonna go in a caravan so by mules so that match will happen later like small gripe but they just like casually say he's gonna win the world title like this is the first time this has come up yeah, he hasn't, like, battled his way up or any, anything. They haven't even mentioned, oh, like, oh, maybe we'll have David I'm not even saying it. that it's David. I'm saying they haven't advertised a world title match for this show. Oh, true. This is this match getting announced, and it's just like, you're winning the world title. Like, uh, there's so many layers to process in that sentence that it's true. like, you almost lose, like, oh, yeah, I guess that's the main event tonight. And it's against Nash. Yeah, so like that's also announcing that Nash is here. And well, you he, would assume the champion should be there. You would assume. You would assume. He, and was, sometimes here, he, he was here last week. Yeah, for, he was here for like for, three minutes. Yeah. He didn't have a match. He didn't do anything. I don't have the information. I don't even know how available it is. I am incredibly curious what the post-show dark matches were for a lot of these Nitros. I would like to believe that it's just the, the match that they have with a finish. I'd like to think that they just, like, come up with an ending for it, but they just don't put it on TV. See, that feels too clean. I imagine somehow it results in, like, Sting beating fucking Rick That's even too coherent. It's too coherent. Yeah. Like, Sting beating Alex Wright is somehow going to be the dark match. Like, what? (laughs) How did you get there? Alex Wright. Haven't seen him in a minute. Yeah, no, he's still off TV. Not since he looked like the, uh, was that Columbine? Yeah. Yeah. We then go to the Nitro Girls. After that, Tony and Bobby check in and... Wait, we're not going to talk about the gold member outfit that the Nitro girls are wearing? I rarely take notes on them. <laughs> that's usually my, like, okay, collect the notes from the previous segment if there's a wacky finish. <laughs> All right, I guess that's fair. No, I mean, if you have thoughts... Oh, no, I just said they them. looked like they belonged in the gold member number. You know that, like, in, in Austin Powers when um, Beyonce is singing? I feel like they belong in that scene. That scene hasn't happened yet in 99. When does gold member come out? I want to say, like, 2003, 2004. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Inspiration. Yeah. De- debuting next week, The Love Guru. Stop. Did you see that movie? Nope. Did you see that when it was in theaters? No. I spent money I've to go see that, that movie. movie. Why, would I have seen it? Seen it? Why would I have seen it? Because it's a moment. <laughs> Everything's a moment, technically. Like that, that. No, that's a cultural moment. That right there. That was technically a moment. Don't be a dick. It was a good. It was a cultural moment. <laughs> you almost said it was a good movie. No, it was not a good movie. It was. I was gonna say it was a good moment, but it wasn't a good moment. It was two and a half hours of my life that I will never get back. On commentary, Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan check in and try to pretend that David Flair has a chance of winning the title. 
Yeah, they really had to like work themselves up to saying this because I feel like I feel like even Tony and Bobby are starting to be like, "What the fuck is this company?" A little bit. I did appreciate that they're like, "Okay, we know he can't beat Kevin Nash," but it's like you never know what fuckery is gonna go in here. They're always they're like, you never know what's gonna happen here. And I I, I, appre- I appreciated that that it's like okay, they are being logical here. So let's go on to our first match of the night, and. Some music hit. Oh my god. <laughs> and Emily, it's fucking William Regal. Sorry, Steve Regal. Steve Regal. I'm gonna I haven't written down oh, yeah, William we... Regal in my notes. But oh my god, like I heard it and again, I for newer listeners, Nick and I have been going through early two thousands SmackDown as well as, you know, watching Nitro. And on SmackDown, we get a lot of William Regal. And so, like, we're used to his, his you know, ensemble. We're used to his intro music. So sometimes I have a hard time going between the two shows or, like, the two timelines because they're relatively close. And they're also relatively close in quality sometimes. And so when this hit, I, like, I didn't register that it was wrong at the time because I was like, oh, it's just William Regal. It He's does sound extremely English. I mean, it does. But, like, in my head, I knew that it was Regal, and I was just like, oh, yeah, it's just him, whatever. And then, like, it took me a minute. I was like, wait, he's not supposed to be here. Hold on. Yeah, he, he apparently returned to WCW on the Thunder before this, and he's back. I'm so excited to see it, more of him. Yeah, he was um, he was released in April. I should say he was released in this timeline in April 1999 because he was just released in January 2022. You're correct. Yep. That was also another weird thing because we watched this like a day or two after the releases and you're like, oh, William Regal's back. I thought you were on your phone looking at something. I was like, wow, that was quick. But no. <laughs> yeah, he is here in WCW. He he will be teaming with Fit Finley and they have Dave Taylor as their manager. Dave Taylor, who is just traditional English wrestler and that's his character. Yeah, he's not really much to talk about. He does have a comically large flag with him. He does. On a comically small pole. In case you were curious, I guess it is fitting that F- Finley is fine with the the English, because technically he is from Northern Ireland, not Ireland. Okay. <laughs> Wait, I, Northern Ireland is part of the UK. Yes. So Northern Ireland was involved in Brexit. Technically, yes. Ireland was not. Correct. What the fuck? Yeah, it, it's it's a whole... It, there are many wrestling podcasts that have Englishmen and Irishmen who have a better understanding of this. Maybe not. They might be just as confused as we are. Fit Finley is from Belfast, Northern Ireland. Therefore, it's part of the UK. This, this checks out. Okay. I was not curious, but I'm glad that you were. So they will be facing the team of Chris Benoit and Perry Saturn, who I guess have a theme now, but it's not memorable. Yeah, I have no idea what it was. Did we? I didn't, I didn't write anything down about it. Not that I just like, oh, they have one. And, they uh, have a song. They, oh, which brings me to a little teaser for next episode. There's going to be a fun little game next week about songs. So, would it shock you if I told you this match has a technical start? Absolutely not. Yeah. With the four people that are in the ring, absolutely not. Like, th- there's not much to note in this match just because it is. Very clean, very technical. You know, it's like he's a very clean man. <laughs> Steve Regal, very clean man. I can't call him Steve. Yeah, I have a feeling this is going to be our, our new Big Show kind of yeah. thing. Of like, he's the giant. No, he's the Big no, Show. No, he's the Big Show. 
Apparently, Chris Benoit and Perry Saturn have a title shot at the pay-per-view. Just casually dropping that in. I missed that. Was that on commentary? Yep. They just throw little nuggets in on commentary. They go to commercial and come back, and Finley is still in the ring. I feel like, are you guys like holding off on William Regal being in this? Because he did, he did look a little heavier than usual. He did. Okay, so I think I brought this up while we were watching it, that he looked a little thicker around the middle. But I also noticed he is wearing the exact same outfit that he wears later on in WWE. Yeah. Like, nothing changes. The pink-purple trunks, the the boots, like, nothing changes. And his body really doesn't change that much. It looks like he just, like, had a couple of beers. He looked a little bloated. That was kind of it to me. Well, I was going to say, I mean, he went to rehab in January of 99. For alcohol. Uh, I think it's a, for a lot of stuff. Fuck. I'm sorry. I'm glad he's doing better in 2022. So, Regal does finally tag in. And I think maybe just because we were... <laughs> Maybe because of his physique, I laughed my ass off when he hit a move and just flexed the guns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, but bud, you're not in great shape. No, but he, he, it's the same kind of cocky um, demeanor that he has later on. Yeah. Where he does a move, then he like does his little posh wave the to the crowd. Wave, yeah. yeah, it's the same guy. Saturn hits a belly to belly on Regal, and then, and then Regal then tags out. It's like, oh, okay, you're, That's you're out enough. again. <laughs> That's enough for me. Finley and Saturn trade sleeper holds, but Regal breaks up Saturn is with the flag, but Saturn kicks out. They get a hot tag to Chris Benoit. He hits a snap suplex, then a diving headbutt. Finley runs in to break up the pin, but then Benoit gets him in the crossface. But then Regal breaks that up <laughs> and locks in the Regal stretch on Saturn, which Benoit breaks up. Oh my God. And after some confusion, Perry Saturn wins with a Death Valley driver. Good job. There were hella chops in this, too, that yes. we did not mention. I feel like it's implied with these four. As everyone came out of there with a bright red chest. <laughs> it's easier for Regal than the other, and Finley than the other two. Okay, yeah, Finley, you poke him and it's going to be on his skin for the next three hours. I thought this was a pretty good match. It was mm. a bit of a rushed ending of, I mean, you could hear it there in, in the description of just like this, then this, then this, and this, and this, and it's like. Well, these are technical guys. They're not showy guys. They're just, they're here to do their job. They're here to wrestle and Put on a good match. I was really excited to see Regal again. So I don't know how long Regal's around for, but I'm guessing it's like at least a year because I don't think he shows back up on WWF until like late 2000. Is that when he comes back with Right to Censor? Weirdly enough, he's not never actually in Right to Censor. Is he not? He shows back up and almost immediately becomes commissioner. Oh... That's it. Him in the right to censor wouldn't have been a bad idea. I really thought that he was in right to censor. No. I think it just makes sense a little bit, but it Him didn't happen. Him and um, the main guy of it, I guess. Stevie Richards. Stevie Richards. They're like interchangeable almost. Like they, attitude-wise. <laughs> Not looks-wise, but I know. I, I was going to say, I'm just remembering us reviewing Barely Legal from uh, 97 and oh. you calling Stevie Richards a hunk. He was a hunk. So from there, we go backstage to Ric Flair, Roddy Piper, Arn Anderson, Asia, and Charles Robinson. They're chatting, but then are interrupted by Van Hammer, wearing a Cowboys jersey for some reason. But also, like, Van Hammer, you're not invited. Why are you here? You're not part of this conversation. I mean, both both points we raised are fair. Yeah. I say, okay, um, you'll face Steiner. I'm like, okay, which Steiner and when? Right. Because... Lost in a lot of this, Scott Steiner is still the U.S. champion. Yeah, Scott Steiner. We haven't seen Scott Steiner wrestle in like a week or so, haven't we? He hasn't wrestled in like a month or two at this point. I guess we haven't seen him wrestle. Because he has been coming out. I think last time we saw him might have been the dogs. That was only, what, two weeks ago? 
two or three weeks, but he hasn't wrestled in a while. Like we, like we know that they've been like hiding him more effectively. I'm guessing he's hurt. Yeah, I thought we knew that he was hurt. I thought it was like his um, elbow, either elbow or knee. It was one of those. For some reason, that sticks out in my brain. I mean, at this point, it feels like everybody in WCW was hurt. Like we were saying, Dean was probably hurt for a couple weeks. Flair apparently has a fucked up back. Oh. Um. Yeah, and we, a lot of guys are missing. Goldberg has a bad knee. Do you think it's COVID? I would be surprised. <laughs> so I'm guessing it's going to be Rick at Bash of the Beach based on the fact that, again, we haven't seen Scott wrestle in a while. And it's like, okay, that like, it didn't happen on this show, so I'm assuming it's for the pay-per-view. True. I, I forgot they even made this match. Yeah, it was very casual and they did not bring it up again. Yeah. It was just weird because, like, remember last week they were having those very, you know, erratic interviews in that office? Sorry, I heard erotic. No, different <laughs> interview. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I my brain like, what? Oh, erratic. Okay. No, but that attitude has, like, dwindled a little bit, but not much. So just having Van Hammer come in in the middle of all of that, it's like, but you should not be here. Unless he came for a, a bump. Well, he didn't have a match. Why would he need a bump? You're right. Is it a back bump or, you know, front-facing bump or... It's actually a knee bump. Oh, it's a cane bump. Yeah. <laughs> so there is a name for the group that was uh, hanging out in the office, which Mean Gene coins in our next segment. Calls them the hierarchy. Which I kind of like. I, I'm kind of into that. I I mentioned to you I was going to call them the cabinet, and you're like, no, call them the hierarchy. Well, because that's what they're deemed. Well, we'll see if that keeps up. It might have just been Gene mentioning it once or twice. You know what the difference between the two things that we just said? Cabinet implies democracy. Hierarchy implies monarchy. What? I mean, he's the president? But he acts more like a monarch. I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm stretching too far, but I like my thoughts. We'll go on with the hierarchy. Mean Gene does note the Charles Robinson injury before they all come out, though. Like, okay. The- what was his injury? Randy Savage had an elbow drop on him and fucked up his ribs. Oh, right. And that's why the elbow drop was outlawed? Yes. Yes. Can we talk about Arn Anderson's outfit when he's coming out here? Oh, yeah. Justin Timberlake and uh, Britney Spears saw it and said, we'll take two. Yeah, he's rocking a... He's rocking denim jeans and then a cut-off denim vest. And I don't think there's a top underneath that for what it's worth. It's just denim on denim on denim. So remember how we mentioned Bruce MacArthur earlier, how he owns the Blackhawks? Uncle Bruce, of course. How could I forget? Yeah, Flair comes out and shits on the Bulls and Blackhawks. (laughs) Which, like, the Bulls, that's fair, because this would be the season after Michael Jordan retired, and oh, okay. they've not been doing great. You know, I don't hear much about them, so. I don't hear much about basketball. I don't really fair. keep my ear to that community. Okay, so I, I need you to explain something to me. Okay. Why did Roddy Piper call it Howard Stern? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either, because somehow he shifts from Buff Bagwell to calling out Howard Stern. It's, I think Howard sort of like mentioned him or something. Like, are they really trying to like tease a potential match? Well, because at this point, Howard Stern is a radio personality, right? Yeah, I. I think he's always been a radio personality. Yeah, I was going to say I, I don't know when he got to start, but I, I he's been around for a while. But he's one of those like outspoken guys. So yeah, he probably said something about wrestling as a whole, and I, I think it was the way Piper said it made it sound like it was to Piper specifically. Oh. Wouldn't shock me if Piper's been on his show at this point. Oh, for sure. I want to say he goes on at least later, but... I'm interested to find that soundbite. So Piper talks about Buff 
and then is like, oh yeah, it's this Howard Stern generation of this. And it's like, you mentioned me, I'm going to fight you. I'm like, okay. I'm sure Howard Stern will be at Bash at the Beach. <laughs> to be fair, they're throwing enough money at people that I feel like they probably could have gotten them. Maybe. Well, no, they wasted so much money on Master B. <laughs> Relatedly, because there's no real better time for this. The No Limit Soldiers are not on this show. No, they are not, which is okay. And apparently Master P was pissing people off last week when they were in New Orleans. He was really? making a bunch of demands. I'm not surprised. Want, what kind of demands? Wanting want more limos. Wanting just you know, wants people want, wanting various things for people in his entourage. And apparently, one of his entourage was arrested for bringing a gun to the airport after that show. <sighs> yeah, probably. Sorry. Nothing shocks me anymore. I'm sorry. So, Nothing surprises so me. So back to the actual segment. Piper says they're going to give one young man a shot. It's David Flair. Spoilers. <laughs> he makes it sound like it's somebody else and then just kind of casually drops that it's David. I'm like, that need to be like the punchline to this, not a passing line. We set line. this up earlier in the show. We know who the young man is. Yeah, because hypothetically, if you didn't do that segment and did it here, and it's like, you know, we're going to give one young man a shot at the world title. It could like, be anybody. It could well, be buff. Exactly. People are like, oh shit, it's going to be buff. And then it's like, David Flair. Like, that, that'd be a good moment. Yeah. Instead, it's like, oh, it's just like a half re-reveal. Yeah. In the middle of a sentence. Like, what the f- But the thing they note here that's different is apparently it's going to be a lumberjack match. Ric Flair then gets back on the mic and apparently he's not allowed to be world champion anymore per the political structure of the company. I didn't hear this. Yes, it's like the first thing. That's why he's giving it to David because he can't book himself in the title match, according to this now. Apparently, what? I'm like you, you were champion, like a couple, not long ago, like two months ago. When did these new rules come into play? When you hurt your back? I, I don't know, man. What? I swear I was watching this segment, but I didn't get any. I, it's one of those things. Like, yeah, they definitely said words. So Charles Robinson will be the ref for that match, except they decide later he won't. (laughs) Flair then says he has to make a deal tonight, and he offers Macho the idea of a deal without really saying what it is at first. And it's like, okay, look, I know we have a shaky past, which is true in KFAB. I I think backstage they're fine together. But yeah, like they've had multiple feuds. So, okay, good to acknowledge that. Team Madness comes out, and two things of note here. The women actually come out through the stage. Yes. And if you'll note, I didn't pick up on this. I was only reading about something later. Um, Arn Anderson just kind of sits in the corner for the rest of this promo because Sid is in the ring. Oh, you said they don't get along. You said that he got... (laughs) There you go. You remember now. (laughs) Yeah, don't get along is a bit of an understatement. I forgot about the stabbing. <laughs> I totally forgot about yeah, it. Yeah, Arn didn't. No, Arn never. I wouldn't forget if I got stabbed 26 times. I wouldn't forget. Good for Arn for even staying in the ring. I would have left. So we'll come back to that at the end of this. <laughs> I forgot about the stabbing. So Flair notes that they all hate Nash. He asked Savage and Sid to be lumberjacks later. In exchange, Flair will legalize the elbow drop, which but, was already legal considering... 
Or I guess technically it never got formally legalized. It was never formally legalized, because but they Ke- did say, like, you can use it, like, this one well, time, whatever. Yeah, because Kevin Nash was like, okay, yeah. you can do it. And then Kevin Nash just won anyway. I so, don't think that the elbow drop is the be-all, end-all move that they think it is. Yeah, I don't know. Rightfully, I thought it was interesting. I don't think it'll go anywhere, but Charles Robinson takes offense to this. He's like, dude, what the fuck? He, yeah. like, like, broke my ribs with that move. Don't let him do that. Yeah, and I, if I was Charles Robinson, I also would be pretty pissed. Like, I'm on your team, and you're just kind of, like, screwing me. Savage then says he doesn't care who's who's champion as long as it isn't Nash. Like, oh, that's a different... It's a I do, different hot take. Yeah, I was like, oh, I didn't feel the most natural for him. No. Didn't feel completely unnatural, but I'm like, okay. I think there should have been an amendment to that. Like, I don't care who's the champion as long as it's not Nash and it's somebody on my team. I don't care who on my team is the champion. That that doesn't flow as well. Well, no, but but you also need to you also need to get to the point where he's fine with David being champion. Savage then asks Sid for his opinion, who shoutily agrees. <laughs> you do get your full shouty Sid in this episode. So it, at the end of the segment, it feels like everyone is trying to get the last word, as, which is again something yeah. that I pointed out weeks ago was happening. And the, we're reverting. The, yeah, this this felt worse than usual. Yes. Of like because there's because it's just Mean Gene holding the mic. They all like run to him yes. to get it. And Flair's like, okay, elbow drop is legal. What we also missed apparently is at the end of this, Sid walks over to Art and kind of like offers a handshake and like apparently they shake hands and there's like a little little applause of like, oh, I don't trust it. Yeah, it's like a wonder. It's one of those of like, was that a shoot handshake or a kayfabe handshake because technically in kayfabe the groups just kind of teamed up yeah i don't mm, know was there a switchblade in your hand Sid? <laughs> no it was scissors that's worse I'm aware. <laughs> you have to try so much harder with scissors we then go backstage lenny and Lodi are there putting on nail polish and are worried about what the company will do when they find out about them. But they're not the only ones in the company like this. It's obviously not going to be that they're gay. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know what it's going to be, but it's going to be like, oh, yeah, we're like Canadian or something. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know where they're from, but it's going to be something fucking stupid like that. Maybe. But like, it's Oh, you like... thought we were gay. We're, we're, oh, we're not gay. We're definitely not gay. No, 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 no. Definitely. I, we don't even want you to think that. Oh, no, we're straight. It's like. It's interesting, though, that they used like painting nails in this as like the gay thing because that has become a very like intergender thing in 2022 like men paint their nails it's not a big deal like it's not really thought of as a gay thing anymore at least like in in the city i mean i see guys with painted nails all the time and it's not really like oh you're definitely gay who has time for that though well this took me three minutes <laughs> it's not good it's chipping it's bad but are, are those press-ons or are those your nails they're my nails i can't do press-ons because of lattes I don't want them to pop off into people's drinks. I did also note for the segment, acting. <laughs> holy shit, they are, they are bad. Yeah, yeah. You know, they can't be gay and good at acting. Isn't the stereotype most actors are gay? Yeah. <laughs> so So they should be really good at acting. So that's, that's another point and factor that they're not gay. Oh, there you go. All there right. it is. We'll see them in a minute. We get a bash the beach ad. We get a couple times during mm-hmm. the show, and uh, but they're doing like a countdown thing in that commercial. Kinda? But the countdown keeps resetting in like random points. Yeah, it's like the film reel countdown, like the start of big yeah. shows entrance video. Yeah, but it keeps going like ten, nine, eight, nine, eight, seven, six, eight, seven, yeah, six. It- <laughs> 
So we then get our second match tonight. It is Lodi with Lenny versus Eddie Guerrero. Why? <laughs> like, why Eddie? Why? And, and Eddie is a heel, and you're putting him against Lodi, who is a heel minus the fact that they're, you know, just queer bait. Is it queer baiting when it's for a negative stereotype? I really don't know the ins and outs of that terminology. Yeah. It, but so I don't think that Lodi is or it's Lodi, right? Yeah. I don't think Lodi's supposed to be a heel. Lodi, in his characterization? Oh, he, no, he, is he's, he? yeah, he's been a heel. He comes out and has the it's meant to be obnoxious signs. Oh, I don't it doesn't come off as obnoxious. It's to meant me. to be. Okay. But he's definitely a heel in the, the eyes the, of the The signs the signs aren't clever enough for him to be an obnoxious heel. It's like Lodi rules. Look how supportive I am of my friend. It's like it, oh. sound, it, it came off to me like charming and like nice, like faceish, like baby baby face. But if it's, I think I did not get obnoxious. Baby faces don't have those sideburns, <laughs> both in wrestling and real life. Anyway, he's a heel in the eyes of the audience because the audience does not like him. Yeah, to be fair, he was a heel before they did all the gay stuff. Luckily, we didn't get the chant this week. <laughs> no, yeah, I was ready for it. I didn't. was ready. He might have gotten muted. The match basically starts with, with, with a ref bump. Mm-hmm. It, it made probably like 40 seconds of the match, but it's real early. Lenny comes in and they try to do the hold him up and I'll hit him. But mm-hmm. then it's the one thing they didn't want to happen as Eddie ducks and they hit each other. Eddie then arm rings Lodi, hits a springboard drop kick to Lenny while still holding the arm. And then arm drags Lodi. It's like, oh, that was nice. That was pretty cool, yeah. Get a brain buster to Lodi. Eddie goes up top to do the frog splash. And Lenny, like, lays on top of him. Like, no, you can't do it. So Eddie just jumps on him anyway. Yeah. And frog splashes Lenny into Lodi and gets the pin. But did you notice the position they were in when he frog splashed them? Yeah. it, It. You're telling me that wasn't purposeful. I'm not saying it wasn't purposeful. I'm saying it could have been more lazy like he was he was at least he was perched up it wasn't like oh let me just lay flat on him and oh they're dead in the 69 position it's like no okay he he was sitting up a bit but it was yeah it was intentional yes but yeah it it wasn't like he left them laying in in the 69 position it's not the uh triple h falling onto tris stratus in the 69 position yeah yeah no but that's hit, sexy. Hit. This is gay. I thought the match itself was quick, painless, and I did laugh at just Eddie leaving the ring, just being like, I, "I'm not a part of the story, and I don't yeah. give a shit about yeah. it." Why they put Eddie of all people in this match? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Eddie just kind of like gave a look back, like, "I don't know what the fuck is up with these guys." It wasn't like an ill gay look. It was like a, "Why am I here?" Yeah, why am I here? I don't want anything to do with these guys. <sighs> After the match on commentary, Tony hypes up our music video premiere tonight. Pumped for I I hate rap. I keep wanting to say the song is called Rap is Crap. It's not. It's called I Hate Rap. Yeah, and like I think most people think it's called Rap is Crap. Yeah. Backstage, the hierarchy talks strategy with David and Tori, and their big plan is to bring in the Jersey Triad. Not the Jersey Boys. No. I've learned. We then get the Nitro Girls, and commentary brings up a swimsuit pay-per-view. Woo! So, uh, get your dicks ready, because that's pretty <laughs> much the only reason for that. Ew. Wait, when is this? I, I, yeah, I, did, I, I didn't note it. 
It's obviously after Bash at the Beach. Bonus episode? Oh. <laughs> Take a shot every time there's just a gratuitous shot of tits. That's, I think it's waterfall during that because take a shot. It's going to be every second. Okay, yeah. We can, we can do a bonus episode where we just no, record ourselves not. drinking. That's we're, fun. We're not going to review that. So I don't know when that is, but you know why it exists. Ah, the male gaze. We then get Hack and Chastity coming out. Hack has a mic, hypes up the crowd, and then calls out Ric Flair. He says, there's a nut in this building that doesn't like hardcore matches. <laughs> Apparently that's Ric Flair. Yeah, Hack calling out Ric Flair. I'm like, wh- what? <laughs> I want to see that match, though. I want to see, see Ric Flair get hit with a kendo stick in a trash can a couple of times. The, the, the fucking, blood. I mean, yeah, I was like, the fucking, what's the time to blade on that? Oh, we haven't played time to blade in so long. Uh, he hasn't been blading. Aw. He also hasn't been wrestling. <laughs> we got to play time to blade one of these days. So Bam Bam Bigelow comes out instead after a while. It's like, sure. Hack then takes his shirt off, and I was wondering if he was told to, because his shirt was not the most family-friendly. It was absolutely not G-rated. Yeah. I not f- PG-rated. I forget exactly the details of it, but definitely said, like, chastity on it, or, like, little chastity or something. Yeah, it's one of those, like, anime kind of cartoon-esque pictures of somebody. It says, it definitely said chastity. It was like a big boob, big butt rendering of chastity. It's pretty gross. Bam Bam Bigelow hits Hack from behind and works over Hack, and this is apparently a match now. Hack tosses Bam Bam Bigelow to the outside, but but Bigelow catches him and runs him spine first into the ring post. Bigelow tosses Hack's kendo stick under the ring, and it's like, nope, you're not using this. And there's not much going on for a while in this match. It's a pretty standard Hack Bam Bam match for a while. It's pretty slow. It's not very hardcore. It's not very fun. I really wish this was Flair. Yeah, I, the main thing they were going for seemed to be that Bam Bam Bigelow didn't want the match to get hardcore because then it would favor Hack, but they didn't tell a great story with that. No. I think that's what it was meant to be, but... You're telling me that WCW is not good at telling stories? Bam Bam misses a diving headbutt, and then Hack misses a swanton bomb. Hack hits a spinning DDT, which prompts Canyon and DDP to come out. Hack tries to fight them both off with a kendo stick, and like kind of does until it's just like, oh, no, no, now I'm coming in, and... DDP hits a diamond cutter on Hack, and Bam Bam gets the win. Still no music for Bam Bam, by the way. Yeah. It wasn't even like they played, like, oh, here's DDP's music, because now the whole group's together. No, he just comes out to silence, and it's just weird. This match was disappointing. Yeah. They, I mean, they haven't had really any good matches in the past, but... No, but Hack is always, like... Hack is kind of becoming my hardcore version of Billy Kidman. Like, if he's in a hardcore match, it'll at least be, like, kind of entertaining. But this was not. Yeah, this wasn't even really a hardcore match. No, there were, like, no weapons. There was, like, one kendo stick hit. And it was hitting somebody who was interfering. So yeah. it's like, I don't, I don't even know if technically this was a no-DQ match. I don't know. We then get Kevin Nash coming out. Commentary seems to imply he's the only member left for the Wolfpack. Did they? Because they're like, oh, this music hitting. That mean, You know what that means? It's time for the world champion. It's like. Like, 17 guys used to have the fucking Wolfpack theme. That's true. Now it's like, oh, this music hits, it's Nash. It's only Nash. Who else is in the Wolfpack right now, though? I mean, we haven't seen the Wolfpack together in Exactly. And he's the only one still coming out with, like, that sort of, like, some, he hasn't even, I can't even say he's been wearing the black and red, because he really hasn't. Yeah, he wore the the tie-dye the other week. 
Yeah, I don't know, but I guess that's just his theme now. You know who's in the wolf pack? Me. Are you? Aren't you wearing your wolf pack shirt sure underneath am. your uh, your sweater because you're it's cold? It's cold in here, but I never turned my back on the wolf pack. Didn't you say the other day that you Shh. wanted to turn your back on the wolf pack? And I warned you, you cut might that. end up in a body bag. Cut that, cut that, cut that. I never said that. I would never turn my back on the wolf pack. So while he's coming out, commentary also has a different note. And it's, uh, who was driving the Hummer? (laughs) (laughs) Still doing this. (laughs) Getting fucking sick of it. All right. It's no one. We know this now. Stop pretending it's someone. (laughs) It's a ghost. You don't know. I'd be fine with that. (laughs) You'd be fine with it being a ghost. All right, it's the ghost of Paul Bosch, all right? He's Who? driving the Hummer. He's a old school wrestler. Who? When are... Th- okay, let's give an over-under when they stop talking about the, the Hummer. When Nash... Whenever the Savage Nash story ends. Okay, so after Bash at the Beach. Assuming the story's done then. I'm going to say it's the pay-per-view after Bash. I don't know, but... I think they're going to milk this for a little while because they're like, whatever Bischoff says, I think they're still trying to figure out a way to tie this all together. Yeah, I mean, yeah, considering the, like all it takes is you s- to stop bringing it up, which I assume is what's going to happen. Yeah. But, so, yeah, sorry, Nash is in the ring. Um, <laughs> he notes that he's been an outsider since day one. And I'm like, oh, that's a. That's like, kind of a callback. That's cool. And everyone in the back wants him to lose the title and notes that, like, the person who would, like, probably help me the most is Scott Hall. And he's sitting in Orlando right now. I'm he's like, in Orlando? That's what he said, but... Hmm. I'm like, oh. Why is he in Orlando? I guess where he lives? Hmm. I don't know, but... He's like, oh, we haven't even heard Scott Hall's name in a while, it feels like. No, I just kind of assumed he was still in rehab. Maybe that's where did the he rehab even, is? Honestly, I forget if he even fucking went. I don't think he did. No? I don't... Oh, I that's don't. why he was gone. I thought he was suspended and had to go to rehab. I thought he was hurt, and also he's having personal demons. It's it's always a mix of stuff with huh. Scott Hall around this time, unfortunately. He's he's doing a lot better now, but yeah, around this time, it's a... Uh, I do kind of hate that I miss him. Yeah, it at least... Like, it, he makes Kevin Nash a little more fun. Yeah. But don't worry, we'll get his spirit later tonight. Oh, I forgot. How could I have forgotten? I forgot. Anyway, let's talk about this whole uh, Tory thing. Yeah, so Nash offers the stipulation that if he wins, he gets Tory for 72 hours. Okay. Why only 72 hours, Nick? Because after that, she'll be ruined. (laughs) Which, like... What? (laughs) It's not even ruined in the sense of, like... Oh, I'll show her what it's like to be with, like, a real man. Like, she won't want you anymore. She'll only want me. It's like, it, it's it's like a, I'm going to, like, take her virginity and now she's not worth now anything. Now she's impure. Yeah. No, it was just, the whole vibe of it was really gross. Yeah. And for what it's worth, David already has the match. He doesn't need to accept this stipulation. No. It's the same thing with the Steiner one. Oh, where the right. match was already made. And it's like... I uh, get your wife for 30 days and 30 nights, which I, Nash does know. Like most people say like 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, 72 hours. Cool. It, yeah. Like 
I don't I don't understand why this was which, made. Which mild spoilers does not matter because apparently she's in his pocket. Spoilers. Kinda. It doesn't matter. So I'm like, nothing matters. Why are we doing the show? No, the fact that she's in his pocket is revealed so casually later that it's like, oh. Or is she just really excited for these seventy two hours? She's like, fine, fuck yeah, someone who's not David Flair. <laughs> Take me. Oh, I can't imagine the charisma that David Flair has in bed. Can't be much. I don't think she's dating Billy Kidman yet, for what it's worth. Mm, I bet he's great. So we'll have that match, not with that stipulation, later tonight. Not not a good promo. and No, it didn't make it. It was unnecessary. Yeah. Eric Bischoff apparently did not show up to this Nitro. He is fully checked out, and Nash is booking, and it's like... You can it, kind of feel it. Well, if you didn't feel it here, you'll, you'll feel, feel it later. You'll feel it later. Let's just say there's a reason they mentioned Scott. He's going to peak, and all of Philadelphia is going to feel it. Ugh. So up next is our, I guess, fourth match of the night. A match I was... A match both of us were dreading when we kind of heard the music. Because mm-hmm. Nash leaves... And then we hear the NWO theme, the Which classic. Which we haven't heard for a while. Yeah. The theme hit, and I wrote, Dread has set in. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Stevie Ray is back, and it's so it's going to be the B team minus Scott Norton. So it's... Okay, actually... I didn't write I, down I, who was in it. I no, remember. I quizzed you on this while we were watching the match. They are facing the te- West Texas Rednecks. Emily... Name all eight men in this match. Oh, fuck. I didn't write down like any. You okay. got you got seven out of the eight. Okay. By the way, you only get eight guesses. You can't, if you get one wrong, it's I like. I think I can do it. Okay. Because I remember the ones that I forgot last time. Okay. So it's Stevie Ray. Yes. Vincent. Yes. Brian Adams. Yes. And. Horace? Yes. Okay, so that's the NWO. Yeah. And then on the rap is craps. It's Barry Windham, Kendall Windham, Kurt Hennig. Yeah. And I think this is the one you missed last time too. Fuck. <laughs> so you go and say you're you're doing seven for eight again, aren't you? No, I'm gonna get this because it's it's the guy. It's the long hair blonde guy with the gloves. It's Mr. Perfect. The one that I didn't remember was oh, fuck. Discount Steve Austin, which Discount is Kendall Windham. Discount Steve Austin, <laughs> who I thought was long hair, work gloves. This is the whole problem. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Kurt, Barry, Bobby Duncombe. There you go. Oh, no, Bobby Duncombe Jr., Junior. please. Bobby Duncombe is my father. I got there in the end. There you kids. go. <laughs> so I don't even know which team I wrote this about, but I just wrote, what a bunch of lads. I think both. It's <laughs> the match. So they were talking about, so commentary was talking about a rap is crap world tour. Oh my God. And unfortunately, they definitely do go to like Nashville or something. I desperately wanted the world tour to just be Texas. Because <laughs> I'm like, that, that's a great bit of comedy if you yeah. can do that. I did love the rap is crap singing their own theme as they came down to the ring though. That was really nice. So the match starts. Brian Adams works a bit up tempo to start and I think gets a little gassed early on. You're telling me these guys aren't in shape? They've had so much time in the ring. The NWO is still a bit rough, but they're actually keeping the tempo up in this match because they're tagging in. Like, it's supposed to be like, mm-hmm. okay, let's do a wrestle. It's like, no, just tag out, get somebody else in. Because there's 
There's eight people yes. in this match. And this is what I said about the last time we had an eight-man tag. Like, this is how tag matches are supposed to go. It's supposed to be in, out, in, out. Vincent does a combination arm drag hip toss, and I was actually impressed. Like You were impressed by Vincent? I know. I, Who are you? Spoilers. I liked this match. I didn't hate as much as I thought that I would. So it seems like the West Texas Rednecks are working heel in this match based on them building to the hot tag to the B team, which, again, makes us question, like, did the B team turn face while we weren't looking? I don't think that there is a heel face dynamic anymore. I think everyone's just kind of their own brand of asshole at this point. I don't think there are any like baby faces, like in the in the entire roster. The crowd does grow a bit restless with like disinterest during this match. Because the problem is, it was not a bad match, but it was uninteresting because of who was in it. Yeah, we do get a like Vader bomb style elbow from from Bobby Duncan, and I'm like, shit, you guys just like every time a couple spots they want to hit, and they're they're hitting them, which is what a tag match should be. Horace gets the hot tag to Vincent, even though the crowd does not react. It's like, oh. It's not a very... If, if, the, if the crowd doesn't react, is the tag hot? <laughs> it's meant to be. It's the built tag. <laughs> uh, everything breaks down and everyone brawls until the Wyndhams hit a double bulldog on Vincent and get the win. This match was better than it had any right to be. Yes. And it was the right length. Yeah. it it, it didn't drag. Like, it just like... Anytime the guys got tired, just like, all right, tag out. Like, like it was basically like four singles matches, and then it, then it's like, all right, then we'll work them over, get yeah. to the tag, and then everything breaks down. It's like, I don't know who put this match together, but props to them. I don't think it was Kevin Nash. No, but that wouldn't be his job anyway. That, that's more a match producer kind of thing oh, than, a, okay. than a booker. But no, you're right. Like, it was not a bad match at all. Like, it was impressive. I, I, I hate that I didn't hate it. Because the people that came out, we should have hated this match. This yeah. should have been a dumb match. I did find it interesting that Scott Norton does not hear. Yeah, I don't know why. I didn't miss him. Wouldn't have been able to know who he was. And this is where I noted, I'm like, oh, no Master P, no Ray, no Conan. Yeah, that is weird. But I guess with, like, the Master P stuff that you're saying happened at the Superdome, like, maybe they're putting that story on hold for a week. I guess, but I mean, it definitely feels like they're going to face each other again at the pay-per-view, so... I would hope so. I'd hope they'd at least have a closure of that storyline. Yeah, I'm guessing it's going to be Ray and Conan. Um, I guess that guy Swole, you know, the one Big member. Big Swole, yeah. No, not Big Swole. Big Swole is current wrestling. God damn it. No, we talked about this where it's like Swole, a... Swole, yeah. Yeah. Swole versus Big Swole. Let's see that match. And then I guess one of the other two people they randomly incorporated during the other week. Yeah. I don't know their names. Versus the four Rappus Craps. Yeah. Ooh. All right, let's move on. Um, Emily, you want to run us through this one? Because what do we have next? We have a dance contest. But yeah, they hype this up a lot through ooh, the fucking ooh. night. It's a dance contest with our contenders. Disco Inferno versus Ernest the Cat Miller. Ernest the Cat Miller, who we randomly encountered doing commentary on a red, an episode of 2002 SmackDown. Again, this is the same issue as William Regal earlier. The paths keep crossing. The lines keep intersecting. And it's really hard to figure out which is which is which. It's because like we watched this episode and then we're like, okay, we need a palate cleanser of wrestling. So we just put like on a SmackDown. And we heard fucking Ernest Cat Miller's voice on commentary and I wanted to die. Anyway. I don't think we even heard his voice first. I think it was like Michael Cole was just like, 
Yeah, Taz's out this week, so uh, here we have Ernest the Cat Miller, and like my brain went through so many emotions hearing every bit, every like like hearing Ernest and then the cat and then Miller. It's like I think the only thing would have made it better was with Sonny Ono. <laughs> oh, <sighs> anyway, so how is the winner determined in in this dance contest? I think it's by audience. Participation, I guess. Audience cheering. Oh yeah, audience response. Audience so, response. So, what is the cat's natural instinct upon learning that? Tell the audience to shut up. Like, yeah, he, yeah. He, he just does his. He, he immediately does the exact heals on the crowd. Thing. He does the exact same thing that he does every other time he comes out. He comes out, he heals on the crowd. He does his weird, like, little erratic foot movement that I can't rightfully call dancing. And then he gets in the ring. And he's like, "Why is everybody booing me?" I'm like, uh, yeah. So. He does reference him whooping Jerry Flynn, I guess, on Thunder or maybe Saturday night. But they each dance to their own theme song. Which is cringy. And apparently the Nitro Girls are out here to, like, get interviewed about the dancing. But because Ernest Miller's theme is dubbed on Peacock and the network. We don't get the interview. Yeah, it's like we hear very minimal. Like, I'm the <laughs> you villager in Animal Crossing. <laughs> that was good. But yeah, I can at least say that Disco Inferno was dancing. Ernest was well, just we- swishing we- his feet back Weirdly enough, forth. commentary disagrees with you. Commentary's like, oh, he wasn't doing anything. What was Ernest doing? I don't know. I forget which person is after, but Bobby Heaton has the line, Eat your heart out, Ricky Martin. <laughs> Must have been after disco because Ricky Martin's more of like Latino dancer kind of guy. So the crowd is into disco, as are the Nitro Girls. And I'm just like, are you a fucking face now? Like, what is happening? Of the two, I would say he's the face. Yeah, because we were saying this last week, too, where I'm like, it seemed like you were turning face. And then you phased buff and were a total heel. And now you're back to being a face. I'm like, this is what I'm saying. There is no heel face dynamic in WCW. Everyone is their own brand of asshole. No, but my point is there's no character consistency. Or they are all just, like, going with the motions of, like, I like this guy, so I'm going to be a face in this one. I hate this guy, so I'm the heel. Like, they're just kind of going match by match. I don't think there is a set, this is your pot of heels, this is your pot of faces. I don't think that's a thing in WCW. So they cut to the Nitro girls reacting to the dancing, which makes them miss the cat hitting Disco from behind. And then the bell rings, and it's a match. Like, wait, what? Honestly, like, when they said that it was a dance contest, I was like, okay, this is not going to be fun to watch, but at least I don't have to watch a match of these two. And yeah. Well, on the front of Is Disco a Healer Face, he, like, plays to the crowd, like, wanting cheers before doing a Brett's Rope elbow drop. Cat hits a back kick and then a vibrating chop to a down disco. What is a vibrating chop? Can you just, What? (laughs) I, I, do, I don't know. I guess it's meant to be a dance before he does the chop, but it's just kind of vibrating or vibrating. Vibrating? Like he's having like a seizure? And I didn't see that. I don't know. It's a weird move from him. What? He then goes to the floor to jaw with the crowd. Cat then distracts the ref in the ring so Sonny Arno can stomp Disco. Cat works over Disco and he just continues to kind of taunt the crowd, which, again, it's still working, unfortunately. And yeah, like we talked about this last week, it's unoriginal and he's been doing the same thing for weeks, but it works. Disco then starts a comeback, including a chart buster, but he takes forever to pin the cat so Sonny Ono can come in and break it up. Not really sure what happened there with the timing. It definitely I think Sonny wasn't paying attention. Sonny then distracts the ref, which allows Cat to hit his kick with the shoe. The weapon of mass destruction. Jerry Flynn then comes out 
And, and I think what they were trying to do was he scares Sonny Ono. So, so Sonny Ono runs in and like accidentally breaks up the pin by running over yeah. it. But it's just done so quick and weird and the commentary doesn't acknowledge it. So it's like, oh, okay. So Flynn then kicks the cat, which results in the cat winning by DQ. And then challenges him to what? Is it like an MMA match, like a kickboxing match next week? Just like a martial arts match. Yeah, next week at the Georgia Dome, which is the only mention of next week being at the Georgia Dome. Yeah, I guess we're going to Georgia next week. Yeah, which, go- that's Atlanta, isn't it? Yeah. Ooh. Like, that's like sh- a big deal. Exactly. It's like they're going to the Georgia Dome the week before. A pay-per-view. Like the big reveal pay-per-view usually. And it's like. Oh wow, you guys are not hyping up that show at all. Like, no, the, that's weird. The only thing advertised for next week is Jerry Flynn versus the Cat. I wonder if there's any like external marketing that we're not seeing, like commercials. Part of me has to wonder if it's literally just because they're booking everything on the fly that they don't they don't know what's going to be on. I mean, each yeah, week. it's very possible. So we then get our bash the beach ad again. I'm like, I think this is identical. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it's the same one. Then they re-air the Ric Flair and David Flair segment from outside of the arena earlier. Like, Yeah, I also thought that was weird. Again, the exact same segment. And they re-air it not like, oh, hey, this is from earlier. Like, they they kind of present it as like, this is fresh. This is like... I'm guessing a, it's like a new hour. I guess. But like, I don't like Maybe you need to say earlier today or like have commentary be like, yep, this is the scene from earlier. Like, I thought it was going to be something different. I'm like, oh, no, this is identical. Yeah. So we actually had this mentioned earlier on commentary. I forgot to note it, but we have a WCW tag team title match up next. It is the Jersey Triad versus Buff Bagwell and Dean Malenko. Why are Buff Bagwell and Dean getting this title shot? I have no idea. Especially when Buff is feuding with basically management, the hierarchy, whatever, you know. Yeah. I have Buff no and, idea. Buff and Dean really aren't a team no. minus, you know, They've had one match of them losing to Ric Flair and Roddy Piper. And even then, Dean ran in at the end. Yeah. Why no Why are they getting a title shot? So. I doubt that even they know. Yeah, Dean actually does look a little annoyed coming out. Yeah, Buff comes out and does his whole, like, you know, wild arms flailing, the strut. And Dean is very serious. But he is in his wrestling attire. He is. He, he actually had time to change after the PTA meeting this week. Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, and Charles Robinson are on commentary for, like, the start of this match? They yeah. vanish. I didn't even realize they vanished because they're like, oh, yeah, Arn is now the ref for the main event. Oh, yeah. Then, he I doesn't d- announce that, does he? I don't think they commentate at the rest of this match. <laughs> like, wait, I just realized, like, wait. Huh. Arn notes. He's like, yeah, I um didn't like that parody you guys did a while back. Remember when the NWO did the horse oh, one? Oh, yeah. I was like, fucking con- continuity Arn Anderson. I appreciate you. That's like, a deep cut. Yeah, like, I'm I'm the ref. Oh, sure would be a shame if something happened because you were a dick a couple months back. I, I didn't fucking re- I didn't forget. And Arn never forgets. That is a deep cut because that was a while ago. Well, if I remember, he was shoot pissed off about oh, that. Oh, was he? Yeah, because no. they were mocking his alcoholism. I'm going to need to watch that again. So the match starts, and Dean does look back to normal at the start of this. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happened in the last couple of weeks, but it's like, all right, you look back to being a normal wrestler at this point. Uh, we get a spot of Canyon doing the buff taunt mockingly, and Which he just I, looks ridiculous. I love that. 
We also get the recurring spot from this team of Aloha Canyon leading to a diving axe handle to a cradle Dean Malenko. And commentary this week actually gives a reason for why the three men are just able to tag in at will. Yes, they did. Which took a little bit of load off off my mind. Okay. Because I was like... Because they actually acknowledged this week that like, yeah, that was super fucking weird last week. I don't know why they were allowed to do that. And it's like, oh, it's because they're helping out Ric Flair. So, so you know, he's giving them access to just break the rules. And that was enough of an excuse for you. I just wanted the logic. I just okay. wanted the in-story logic of the fact that commentary wasn't noting that anything was weird last week. I'm like, yeah. Here, they're like, it actually did annoy me a little bit that they were like, oh, yeah, that was uh, extremely weird last week. And I'm like, you didn't fucking say that last week, though. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we can, they, I guess they can just do whatever fucking bullshit because they're friends with Flair. Yeah. And Flair's corrupt, so. Yeah. Like, okay, it's an explanation and it's just effectively, I would like it better if it was just a straight up handicap match as opposed to the weird shifting. Like, I, it just makes it dumber, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. But like, just have it be three on two. Just have just just call it a handicap match. Yeah, I don't know. I it, it didn't bother me, and I don't know why it didn't bother me. But I think I'm just getting jaded, so it didn't matter to me. So the triad cheat and work over Dean as they go to commercial. When they come back, DDP tries for his tilt a whirl backbreaker, which turns into a head scissors from Dean Malenko. I'm like, oh, Dean is so good in this match. Buff gets the hot tag and cleans house. He goes for a blockbuster, but Bam Bam trips him up before he can hit it. Bam Bam then hits a falling headbutt to the groin, but they actually distract the ref. So it's Actually. So that's why it's not a DQ. Caden hits a vertical suplex, then a slingshot elbow drop. They do the lift DDP towards the corner, trying to try for the tag kind of thing. I love that move. I'm like, yeah, wow. That is a... uh, DDP just recently thought of the spot and is using it in every goddamn match. He said, oh, I like it. It's just like... And it's not one that I've seen come back in more modern wrestling. No, it's not. Bam Bam distracts the ref, so Canyon just drags Buff back towards the corner. It's like, okay, good, like, good heat there. Like, yeah. Because he was going to get there. Like, nope, no, you don't. <laughs> Not today. We do get a spot, which is one of the things that annoys me in wrestling. I know it probably won't annoy you. We get a superplex followed by a diving splash attempt, but the splash misses. So Buff just no-sells the superplex. And it's like, oh, I'm going to go tag in Dean. I didn't even notice it. Yeah, it's one of those when it's like when you're doubling, when you're trying to do like, like, like a, a combo move and you avoid the second one, it's like, no, you should still be in pain from the first right. one. Right. I mean, yeah, logically, yeah. DDP cuts Buff off before he can tag in, but then we get an almost immediate hot tag to Dean. Dean tries for a roll through, but DDP breaks it up and they land on the ref and Buff hits his blockbuster on Canyon and clips the down ref in the process like with his legs Mm -hmm. it wasn't a solid hit but we like backed it up we're like oh he hit his head there a little bit yeah not like enough that would give him a concussion or anything but it was enough to be like ow buff then clothesline somebody to the floor and they kind of do like the double and then like they they do the thing where like both them kind of crash to the floor dean then locks in a cloverleaf but bam bam bigelow breaks it up but then he and ddp hit a double diamond cutter and they get the win this was a good match i like this match yeah, it was, as I said, it was pretty good. I wrote, I prefer it just being a blatant handicap match as opposed to this weird hybrid. Yeah, but I think, like, Buff and Dean being able to hold their own against all three, like, I think it, it's 
it's still a good match. Yeah, it's it's it is still a weird team too. Of it like, is a weird yeah. team. Honestly, I feel like it does Buff a disservice because it doesn't feel like Dean likes Buff, and I no. feel like you want Buff to be likable right now. I don't know who you could put him with to have him. I don't think that it's guess that Dean hates Buff. I just think he sees him as like an annoying little kid. Exactly. Where it's like you want so you want Buff to be having fun with somebody if you're gonna like push him in a tag True. team. But I guess or at least you're right. like, who would you put him or at with? least like have like have an associate or, mm-hmm. or like you know have a buddy as opposed to just like give him Ralphus. <laughs> Ralphus is still not around. Ralphus will not resurface until like early 2000. Really, that yeah. long? Yeah, Aww. I I accidentally had it spoiled for me when he comes back. I'm like, oh wow, I thought he had something else to do, but Aww. he. I mean, is he working like behind the scenes? I'm guessing he's still driving the truck, considering that's what he was doing. But he's not showing up anywhere oh, else. What if Ralphus was driving the Hummer? <laughs> you know what? New canon. Ralphus is driving. Ooh, I like that. I did note that since they had them pin Dean, it's like, yep, they're still committed to uh, pushing Buff. Mm-hmm. I don't know what will come of that. I don't know why they're pushing him so hard, too. Unfortunately, the story's cooled off so much that I feel like it wouldn't have the impact. But you mean like him versus Scott? Yeah, but I'm wondering, were they going to do that? And then Scott got hurt, so they had to find other plans? Maybe, and they had to like stretch out his Yeah, but it, it just feels so far removed that him going back to Scott would just almost feel like a step back. Even if he wins the title, it just feels like a weird retread step backwards. Yeah. At commentary, Tony and Bobby chat the main event and all the odds against Nash. We get a weird moment where Tony throws to the music video, which is going to debut. Yes. But then, like, wants a response from B- Bobby Heenan. And Bobby's like, no, like, I didn't have anything to say. Like, a response? Weird. Yeah, they have, like, this weird, weird banner where it's like, oh, I thought you were just, like, throwing the music video. Like, I didn't have anything to say. Like, we're, we're good. Let's just go to the fucking video. <laughs> These commentary guys do not work well together. Every once in a while, they like hit these snags and they they can't improvise together. They're not good. I don't know. The music video itself is a little bit lame because it's literally just like, here's them doing a live performance yeah. in Nashville. But I but, loved it. But the fact that it's lame almost kind of makes it better. It makes it better. It gives it like that charm of like, I don't know, like country music. It's oh, I loved it so much. Then they, like the fact that they had a stage and they staged this filming and they had an audience... To watch them film this. Just think about the production went behind this. Just think about it for I, this song. I did read there was a rumor at the time that they were like, they wanted to try to get in Willie Nelson, but it would have made them popular. They want them to be heels. Oh, fair. So it's like, a, uh, okay, yep, that's... Weren't you telling me that this song actually got on some sort of chart? So I was wrong about it being on charts. However, that said, apparently multiple like country stations were like, hey, can we like play this? Or kind of like, you know, like... We want to have this kind of incorporated more into our show because it's great. Oh, my God. I loved the video, though. I thought it was great. I thought this whole segment was great. I did enjoy the rest of the West Texas Rednecks pretending to be members of the band. Yeah. It's like, you guys did not You don't play know how to song. play the banjo. You can't drum. You don't know. All right. Let's move on to our second and last match of the night. It is Scott Putsky versus Sid Vicious with Team Madness. Which my only my first note for this was my God this is a squash match. <laughs> Sid actually does a wrestle here. He does do a wrestle. This but wrestle. also, who the hell is Scott Putzky? He is the son of Ivan Putzky. Who the hell is Ivan Putzky? He's a classic wrestler. Okay. <laughs> I wrote of Scott Putzky. He gonna die. Oh uh, yeah. How are you gonna put this kid, this child, next to Sid? Sid shouts on the way to the ring. 
Love it. I was just happy for you in this match that you finally got Sid doing, like, an actual Sid doing a wrestle. What they should have done shouting. with Sid to start. Yeah. Savage pops up on commentary to start to hype up Sid and then just, like, vanishes and doesn't do anything else on commentary. The women then get up on the apron once this match starts, and I'm like, why? Sid is going to kill this man. Yeah. Why do we need to give the weird distraction bullshit? No, the, the distractions were unnecessary. But did you catch um, Tony Schiavone talk about Medusa? Oh, I forgot the line. I think I remember you noting it. I don't remember what she was wearing. Do you remember what Medusa was wearing in this I, episode? I'm guessing it's the, the, the American flag busty top. Tony Schiavone says of Medusa, she is the epitome of our new tagline. It's out there. <laughs> so that's her new tagline? I guess, according to Tony Shimani, it is. WCW. It's it, out there. It's out there. <laughs> I love it. But there was so much weirdness with the women being on the apron and, like, not interfering but kind of interfering. Mm. I'm like, is someone missing their cue? There was a lot of stalling. It was weird. So Medusa distracts Putsky. Sid beats him down to Goldberg chance. <laughs> We get the running big boot slash, like, punts almost. like a mix of both. Yeah. Which prompts bigger Goldberg chants. Oh, do you think we'll see Goldberg next week in Atlanta? Maybe. That would make sense for me, for him to return that week. The weird thing is you'd have him returning right before a pay-per-view and then, I guess, not have a story for him or have him wrestle in pay-per-view. Or give him a really quick story. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's possible. I, I don't know the state of his knee or his contract dispute. So It might be like a quick like last-minute push to get people to buy tickets, too, if they know that Goldberg is back. Granted, there's not a lot of matches advertised for the pay-per-view. No. Like, it's the main event match, which still isn't for the title. It's the, I guess, Rick Steiner-Van Hammer match, and then the tag team title match. Yeah, and that's not going to fill a three-hour paper. I'm so assuming. Other stuff. I'm assuming Conan and Ray, yeah, like the no, no the soldiers. Crowd, yeah. yeah, it's not a ton officially advertised though. So it'd be interesting to have Goldberg come in. He'd fill about two and a half minutes. Yeah, we then do a choke slam, power bomb, pin, and I'm like, it doesn't need to be that complicated, guys. Nope. Savage then grabs a mic and calls Sid the best big man in wrestling, and says that Nash is going to lose the title soon. Sid then shouts. Tries to hype up the crowd mm-hmm. during a heel promo, which I thought was kind of weird. Yeah, but it's Sid's so shouting and, you know, it's it's yeah. not like a facey kind of shouting. Sid also has this thing just generally like, who's the man? Who's the man? Yeah. Crowds like that. Crowds do like that. Crowds uh, love uh, interactivity. This segment basically ends with Savage hitting his, his diving elbow. It's like, oh, okay. And it's not outlawed anymore, so. Yeah, I really wonder... Oh, God, I almost want to place a bet. When do you think the next time we'll see Ivan Putsky on television? Ivan Putsky? Not for a very long time. Oh, sorry, Scott Putsky. <laughs> um, I'm going to say at least, like, a month. Oh, gee, okay. I'm going to guess April of 2000. Really? That long? <laughs> Wait, why the fuck else would we see him? Well, people like um Van Hammer kind of disappeared and came back within, like, a month or so. Yeah, well, we'll have to bookmark this and see who's who's right. I don't know what the midpoint between our guesses were. So it's somewhere between July of 1999 and April, of, April 2000. of 2000. Yeah. Okay. After that, we get the Bash of the Beach out again. We then get the Nitro Girls. Then we see uh, Kevin Nash and David Flair walk towards the ring. Oh, but wait, the botch. Except for the fact of they clearly fuck up David's cue because <laughs> they have him like 
they cut to him. He's starting to walk forward. Then they have him like back up and start to walk forward again. <laughs> and Ric Flair is clearly looking at whoever's like directing the segment. Yeah. And it's like, oh God, this is not boding well for the match. Well, you got Kevin Nash. Like, I don't find this man sexy, big sexy. I don't find him to be big sexy. But he does have a suaveness that is unmatched. No one else has that, like, that smooth confidence that he has. It's annoying. It's cocky and I hate him. But, you know, it's, I don't know. It's rare, <laughs> at least in this company. We then get a different Bash of the Beach ad. I'd say centering on the main event, but so was the other one. So They are advertising the pay-per-view a lot in this episode, at least. Yeah, but they're not. They're just like, oh, yep, there's these four guys. Buy the pay-per-view. Maybe the numbers will be higher. Who knows? I doubt it. Who knows? All right. It's time for our main event. No Michael Buffer. He doesn't want to be part of this. <laughs> it is David Flair versus Kevin Nash in a lumberjack match for the WCW title. David comes out. He has Tori Wilson, Ric Flair, Arn Anderson, Charles Robinson, and Asia with him. Roddy Piper, Team Madness, and the Jersey Triad also come out. So it's like. 12 or 13 people. <laughs> too many. Way too many. Especially because the lumberjacks are supposed to be, like, keeping Kevin Nash in. Kevin Nash is not the guy that is going to run out of the match. He's right. not that kind of guy. Well, it's it's more so they can interfere. But not counting Tori, I count 13 people against That's Nash. That's a lot. Not counting David either. That's too many. So, total, you got 15 yeah, but Tori, I guess, is in his pockets. So it doesn't count. And... Stop spoiling it. Again, it doesn't spoil anything. Yes, it does. So the match starts. David immediately bails the outside, and everyone comes in to attack Nash. <laughs> in order to keep kayfabe, Arn pretends to have something in his eye. Oh, my God. Bless this man. And DDP comes over like, are you doing all right, bud? Oh, it was like, amazing. Check it on the eye for him. It was such a good moment because, like, yes, that's what would happen if this was, like, a real thing. Once Nash is down, David locks in the figure four, but Nash, like, kicks out of the pin, whereas, like, he's laying flat on his on his back. Nash then works over David, who does not know how to sell. This guy. Do you remember a few months ago when I was like, David seems like he's in training a lot. He's getting better. He stopped going to training. Yeah, he... Like, things happen to him, and he'll bump, but he doesn't sell that anything is happening. He would have been cut week one of Tough Enough. What's your favorite match? Um, my favorite, my favorite Melina match. Melina versus Alicia Fox. <laughs> my favorite match is Scott Putsky versus Sid Vicious. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think, like, what's the worst Flair match you could cite for, like, your favorite Ric Flair match? Oh. <laughs> my favorite match is the uh, Doomsday Cage match at Uncensored 1996. Oh, what? <laughs> Doomsday Cage, man. We again, we watched that one. It, Did it, we? I remind us all the time where it's it's Hogan and Savage in the multi-layer cage where they have to fight I forget the bottom. that it's called the Doomsday Cage match. I yes, that was the hell of a match. That's that's David Flair's that's David Flair's answer to Steve Austin. What's your favorite match of all the matches? That that that's your favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see it, Steve? There were three three cages. So we get a big boot from Nash, which prompts everyone to come in again. I wondered if it was like, yeah, David's not taking the fucking power bomb. No. <laughs> Someone was in their ear like, okay, we need something to happen. Get in. Go. So everyone comes in and we get a grand return. Emily, what's back? It's not even who's back. What's back? It's the, it's the spirit of Scott Hall in a zappy little stick. It's back for some reason. The fucking taser's back. Even though... None of the people involved in this segment 
on David Flair's side were involved in the stun stick Not story. Even remotely. No. That's a lie. Who? Bam Bam Bigelow was involved. <gasps> he was there. But like that wasn't against Kevin Nash. That he wasn't, wasn't there. <laughs> Why? Why do we have to bring the fucking stun stick back? Why? Why is this a recurring character in WCW? So Nash doesn't get stun stick. He fights it off and then gets it and stuns and fights off 13 people. With a taser. <laughs> Sorry to steal a line from whoever was writing the recap of, uh, I was, I like looking up details of making sure we didn't miss anything of like, oh, it was a live performance. I think the title of someone's recap was, did I mention Kevin Nash is booking the show? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nash fights off 13 people and then kidnaps gorgeous George. I think Kevin Nash really thinks that that stun stick against, um, Goldberg, I think that he thinks that is what's going to make him go down as a legendary wrestler or booker. I'm torn because Kevin Nash has been so I'm all about the money. I I honestly don't know how much the man worries about his legacy in wrestling. I feel like he has to worry about it a little bit. Yeah, sure. He can be all about the money, but he still is leaving something behind. He's still doing all these interviews and like you can put on the cool guy persona for a little while. I want to see his yeah. dark side of the ring. Well, I don't think he has one. Either. I would like to see him have one. You you want him to have scandal? I think that he has something that he could talk about. Okay, Dark Side of the Ring is usually shining light on the dark parts of wrestling. I don't think Kevin Nash has one, to his credit. Kevin Nash is a guy who just wanted, wanted to show up and collect a paycheck. He's not, like, he's not a monster. No, I don't think he's a monster, but even, like, with his proximity to, like, Ric Flair and Scott Hall, like, there was nothing there. Not really. I mean, he might show up in, like, I think he probably has showed up in interviews, but, like... In terms of having his own episode, he's hmm. it's that's not him. He, I mean, I respect him showing up and wanting a paycheck, but he's just a douchebag. I mean, listen, he'll show up in in shoot interviews, just fucking eating chicken parm and drinking wine. But like, honestly, like, same. But like, but like during the interview, just like oh, you know, if if I was getting paid, and no one told me not to do it. You think I wouldn't eat chicken parm and drink wine during an interview? Are me and Kevin Nash friends? Would we be friends? I don't know. I think we might be friends. Can we get out of this segment? I want you to so, yeah, wine with Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash kidnaps Gorgeous George. <laughs> and then Tori Wilson just goes with him. While George is like screaming for her life. But that's my point. Tori, it's not like Tori does anything. No. It's not like Tori, at least I didn't see her like holding Gorgeous George. Like, oh yeah, get her. It's like, oh, yep, now. Now she- we go off into the sunset with this screaming girl over your shoulder. So they go backstage to a limo. Mm-hmm. Nash puts George in. Tori gets in. And then we kind of see in the corner of the screen the Black Hummers there, except we cut to a close-up shot. I don't know how in kayfabe they had this shot of of the rearview mirror, and sitting there appears to be Sting. Which was such a cool shot. I loved it. I loved it so much. So Nash kind of takes note of this. However, he's getting chased. So he gets in the limo as Randy Savage like, jumps on the limo to try to stop it from leaving. <laughs> Sid is watching in the background holding the WCW title. Like, that's glossed over. Oh, true. And then they go off the air. I didn't think about the title. Okay. Thoughts on the madness of the segment, no pun intended? I have no thoughts about the match. Everything around it, I have thoughts about. But the match itself okay. could, could have I, not happened. I, I'll ask this. Do you think it was actually staying behind the wheel of the Hummer there? The Black Hummer? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
I have to, I have to disagree with you. They have done fake sting like fucking five times oh. in WCW where I'm like, I assume this is a fake sting. Well, because no, because Nash had. Oh, you're right. Because he and Nash had that whole conversation last week. Like, I wasn't the one driving the Hummer. Yeah, mm. they've done fake sting. So did Nash see sting? Yes. In kayfabe, Nash saw sting behind the wheel. I'm going to assume that that is now going to be a match at Bash of the Beach. Well, they're, they're, sting and Nash. they're teaming together at Bash of the Beach. Fuck, you're right. Which you remember, like, oh yeah, they hate each other. They hate each other, yeah. Yeah, I think it. And by the way, this is a very similar context for when they did fake Sting with the NWO. Was oh Sting attacked people, like oh, but it was a different Sting. So how did they do fake Sting in the past? It didn't even look that convincing, in my opinion. But they had somebody attack them, you know, dressed as Sting, and the Bayfaces were like, "You attacked us," and Sting. Didn't tell them it wasn't him for like a week. It was oh, it's real dumb. It's real fucking dumb. Sting, Sting just goes radio silence until the pay per view because like it's like on Nitro they did the attack on the pay per view. He's like he shows up late and is like, guys, it wasn't me. What? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I... they've also done fake Sting. I think I showed you of Kevin Nash being fake Sting, where he's seven foot tall. Yeah. It's like yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not, Sting. not Sting. Okay. If, I, know, I guess anything, I need to go back and look at like the shot of Sting again because you said it doesn't look convincing. Oh, I'm not saying this one did. I'm uh, saying in other times it has. Honestly, it, I don't know if they're going to go here considering he got mentioned. Be Scott just, Hall? That's my thought. Hmm. That'd be interesting hmm. turn of events. I don't know. With the return of the stun stick? Then again, yeah, considering. Hmm. That said, it also wouldn't shock me if it's just the same guy it was last time. Because like, there literally is a character called NWO Sting. Who was weirdly popular in Japan. Really? Yeah. Huh. I don't get it, but... All right. Um, yeah, any final thoughts on the show or the that segment? I did not love this episode. <laughs> I thought this episode, especially been going through it, it was a mixed bag. It definitely wasn't bad. I mean... There are a lot of times in my notes where I just, like, stopped taking notes because I was either, like, not into it or just had nothing to say. Yeah, it was a little more of an empty nitro than yeah. a bad nitro, I'd yeah. say. It was just kind of a nothing nitro. All right, well then, let's go to uh, best bit and MVP. Emily, what do you have for your best bit? So I was kind of hoping that something else would come up while we were talking about it, but, like, easy answer. The I hate rap music video. <laughs> like, that's, I was oh. hoping something else was going to come up and, like, make it better, but, like... That's a good. It's, it was a good segment. You know, I think it's I've a been. Good song. I think, it's a pop. I think I've been defaulting to matches, so I I didn't even think about that. It's a, it's a bit. I'm gonna uh, commit some blasphemy here. Oh my god, are you about to say that Buff Bagwell is your? No, 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 no. <laughs> well, we're still in best bit. I am actually gonna give my best bit to the eight man tag for surprising me because we were ready to have an abysmal. Think of think back to the B team battle royal and how oh, miserable. I I actually enjoyed this. So, the amount, the difference in in from where the, like the line of where I enjoyed it to where I thought to enjoy it, I, I, to how bad I thought it would be, is so large that I think it has to be my okay. best bit because nothing else could have jumped that high. I yeah okay. I never would have thought in a million years that you would give your best bit to an NWOB team. I not, neither did I. Neither did I, and I think that's why it has to be. Well, who's your MVP? Is uh, it an NWOB team? No, it's not. Um, who's your MVP, Emily? So, again, not surprising anybody. I gave it to Steve Regal. <laughs> Just for giving me hope for the future and excitement for the night. 
Yeah, you know, I think I originally had Kurt Hennig for basically dragging the B team, kicking and screaming to a good match. But I think the breath of fresh air that seeing Steve Regal gave us, yeah. I think I have to give him the MVP. It's like I, Steve Regal, a new hope. Yeah, it, it, it feels similar in a way to when like I was like, oh shit, it's Sid. It's like... We're probably gonna get disappointed by him in a week, but you know, for uh, now it's good. We'll see. I mean, we'll see. But it's like a oh, like I was just so caught off guard and happily surprised to see yeah. Steve Regal that I'm like, you know what? Yeah, he, he's definitely he provided me more. He sparked joy. Yes, if he was a, if this was a Marie Kondo thing, I would keep him because he brought me joy. Well, that's gonna do it for this episode of the Butt Seats Podcast. Next up, episode forty. The, We're taking shots and playing games, baby. The July fifth Nitro from the Georgia Dome. It's the last one before Bash of the Beach, too. Got a lot going on here. It's gonna be a big show. Hopefully, something happens. There's going to be a return from somebody that they didn't advertise at all. I won't spoil who. Yeah, Nick spoiled it for himself. Yeah, I was reading through um, the Observer notes as I do for these episodes. Make sure. You know, any backstage goings on, and it's like, yep, yeah, we're having this person. I don't know how much they're going to hype it up next week. Or is, or is it, it going to be like an Eddie Guerrero return? I, that's what it seems like. It doesn't sound like they're going to be wrestling or even coming back to wrestle, so it'll be interesting. Oh, okay. But we'll have to wait till next time for that. Until then, you can listen to all of our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, and Stitcher. Emily, where can they follow us on the social media? You can follow us on Facebook by searching Butts in the Seats Podcast. And on Instagram and Twitter, the at is Butts in the Pod. Tweet at us. We, we, we usually tweet back. I think we're, we're oh, doing yeah. pretty well on our percentage of that. Yeah, we love talking to people. We love hearing like what you guys think. I know we haven't done Who's That Pokemon in a few weeks, but hopefully we have reason to in the future. That's May, always a fun one. I could see Bash of the Beach having some fun beach-themed either outfits for the wrestlers or the commentators they they would do that of having them all in like hawaiian shirts okay so but yeah we like talking to people we like hearing what you think what your favorite bits are what are your best bits who is your mvp yeah. or, or if you're peeking ahead it's like do you do you have a who's that pokemon idea tweet yeah. in because frankly it's like oh they're this guy's wearing black and this opponent is wearing black yeah there's not a lot of creativity going on it's kind of hard so, or there's too much. So you're like psychosis and you got a lot of different yeah. colors and a lot of pieces. And just, he is a Pokemon in himself. Yeah, he's he, he's being released via, via mystery gift later in the year. Shut up. So until next time, I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And thanks for listening to the Butts and Seats Podcast. Woo!